0: Our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 8. Please stand. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter." and like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop him, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Here ends the reading.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our Rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Last fall, a small group of us from Shepherd of the Hill went to a journey towards justice retreat at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in North Minneapolis. It was a two-day event in which we were encouraged to think about who we are welcoming into our churches and how we are doing that. At the very end, we were invited back into the sanctuary for worship, and then we were invited to do a personal assessment of ourselves. They said, okay, everyone stand up, and we're going to have you be honest about this and think about the close friends you have in your life. And let's define close friends for you. Close friends are people who come over to your house and have shared meals with you, people you talk to regularly, you know about their families, and they know about yours. So the stage is set, and here we stand as an entire group of people, and then they say, sit down if you have a close friend who has a different skin color than you do. Sit down if you have a close friend who practices a different faith than you do, and actually practices it, not just and not just another denomination of Christian, but someone who is Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist. Sit down if you have a close friend who has a different sexual orientation than you do. Now, I will admit to you all that I remained standing much longer than I wanted to be. I stood there and felt this sense of some shame, some wonder, and vulnerability. These were hard truths to admit to myself that I didn't have close friends who were that different than me. And in fact, I knew that I didn't stand alone, but I still felt vulnerable. I still didn't want to admit this. And I started to justify myself. I thought, well, my best friend growing up was from Colombia, but we've lost touch over the years. My godfather is gay, so I have that connection. I'm just not in touch with him very often. And I made this long list of reasons why this might be the case, that I was still standing there. But the reality that I had to admit was that in many ways I had become isolated, that I was living in a bit of a bubble. And acknowledging that was actually very helpful for me, because it made me realize that there are people in our world whose voices I'm not hearing from regularly. There are perspectives that I don't get to know about, and that often, more often than not, I'm listening to people who have had many shared experiences, but there are things that I don't know about other people in the world. Now, admitting this is the first step, and then I started to think about the Lutheran Church. Now, we were in a Lutheran Church for this retreat. And the Lutheran Church will often admit somewhat similar truths about ourselves. If you don't know, the Lutheran Church is regarded as one of the least ethnically diverse of mainline denominations. And year after year, or actually church-wide assembly after church-wide assembly, they talk about this truth and have set goals to change it and to reach out to people who are more ethnically diverse and yet, our stats haven't changed. And I bring this up because I think it's important now and then for us to not only admit and know this about ourselves, but ask the question of what can we do about it? What does this mean for us? The book of Acts, I believe, is a fantastic place to start. Because the book of Acts is all about reaching out and going to encounter other people because God has sent us there. And our lesson for today is one exactly like that. This is one of my favorite stories, and I love it for a number of reasons. I love it because Philip is so outrageous in his ability to follow what God has told him to do. He's got enthusiasm like no other. Now, what you don't know when our text begins is that Philip actually had a pretty thriving ministry going on in Samaria. He had gone down there and preached, and he had all these people baptized, and things were going really good for him. Yes, there was conflict, but then all of a sudden, he gets this little tap on the shoulder from this angel of the Lord, as we're told in our text. And it says, Philip, I have a new call for you. And Philip goes, okay, and then Philip is sent to a wilderness road in the middle of nowhere. And I have to admit, this is where I think God's sense of humor always comes out, right? I had this thriving ministry, and you're sending me here? So he's on this road in the middle of nowhere, and I imagine Philip looking around thinking, really, God? Who am I supposed to talk to here when this chariot comes out, starts going down the road and Philip is good at his job. That angel of the Lord taps him on the shoulder and again and says, that chariot, and he literally runs up to it. I love that part. He runs alongside the chariot, listens to what the man is saying inside, calls out, hey, what are you reading? And soon enough, that chariot stops and invites Philip to come in and sit down. And then we start to hear about who is inside the chariot. Our text gives us so many details about this man and yet tells us so little about their conversation. The man inside is from Ethiopia. He is... A well known official. He works for the Queen in the Treasury's department. He has a job of significance. He's just been in Jerusalem worshiping, so he is part of the Jewish community. And he's also a eunuch, which means that he is different than other people sexually. And because of his identity as a eunuch, he is prohibited from practicing fully or participating fully in the assembly, according to Deuteronomy 23.1. He is not allowed into the inner circle. In fact, he is labeled, because of that identity, as an outsider. Now, I can't imagine that these features were evident to Philip just by looking at the man. But I think this came up in conversation And we can guess that Philip and the Ethiopians spent significant time talking with one another, getting to know each other and learning about each other's lives before Philip proclaimed the good news of the gospel to him. And then Philip does. Philip starts to tell him about Jesus, about our God who pushes down barriers that might exist. He reaches out to anyone and everyone in order to welcome them in. Who eats with people who are often pushed to the outside. And by the end of the conversation, the Ethiopian eunuch looks out of the chariot, sees water in the desert, weird, and says, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And Philip says, nothing. And they go down to the water together and he is baptized. They walk in and out of that water together rejoicing and giving thanks for God. There is no question to Philip into this man that God has welcomed and embraced them fully. And we could just say, amen, hallelujah, that's the way it is. Thanks be to God and go home. Right? I wish. Because I do believe that Jesus has indeed knocked down the barriers that might exist, that get between us and God. Those religious laws that had kept this man from fully participating in life in the temple were knocked over by Jesus who said, everyone is welcomed at my table. Everyone is part of my family. It does not matter at all. And yet, I would say that throughout time, the church as an institution has put up new roadblocks and got it in that way of making access to the water and full participation in the community of faith somewhat restricted. If you were to call most churches today and say, what do I have to do to be baptized? They wouldn't say, nothing, just come! I would love it if we did. We don't. In fact, we say, well, let's set up a time. And when can you come to a class? And when can you meet with the pastor? And... and that's here. There's other churches where there's even more requirements. What do you believe? How does that work? And I've been part of these roadblocks, and I will fully confess that. But it goes beyond Baptism. The church puts up roadblocks that allow people from full participation in the church. They say, we're welcome, but women, we don't want you to be preachers. For a long time, this was said. Or people who are LGBT, you're welcome to full participation here in our church, but you can't be pastors. And while this has changed in recent years, there are still congregations that wait and will much prefer someone who is male or heterosexual and they are the first to get calls and other churches or other leaders are left waiting for that opportunity. And it seems to me that those roadblocks that get in the way of us experiencing God are a problem and something we need to acknowledge and to confess. The book of Acts begins with Jesus standing before his disciples. And he gives them a command. He said, Be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea and to the ends of the earth. Some would argue that Ethiopia seemed like the ends of the earth to the earliest apostles. I had a seminary professor who would translate this phrase, not just ends of the earth, but margins of the earth. And then she would flip it around and say, be my witnesses to the people who are living on the margins. And I like that. How are we as the church being witnesses of Jesus' love and acceptance to people who are living on the margins? I think we do this well in some ways. And can celebrate that within our own community of faith, we feed people who are hungry regularly through loaves and fishes, and invest in that ministry. We give things to reach and restore, and other social service agencies that make sure people have things that provide um, food and food and furniture and other resources that are necessary. We have invested in a park down the road that many of us might never go to but in an effort to make our neighborhood safer, knowing perhaps the people who go there will never come within the walls of our church, but we care about them because they are our neighbors and people living on the margin, perhaps. And over the past year, you all have taken a risk and invested in tapestry ministries, a church, a New Start congregation that is intentionally reaching out to people who have different colored skin than we do, who speak Spanish, who are immigrants or second generation immigrants in our community. And we have said, You're in Richfield, but that doesn't matter because we want to hear the good news of the gospel proclaimed to all people. It doesn't matter. And because of your ability and willingness to take a risk, we have this partnership today that I think is just so profound as they go through a difficult time. People within this congregation have been praying for Pastor Melissa since news of that tragedy came about and asking and showing up in really important ways. And I give thanks for you. But I do believe there is still work for us to do together I do believe that God is pushing us to look to the margins of our world today and saying, who else can we invite in? What roadblocks do we need to knock down? Because the church as a whole has put them up and God says, no. Everyone gets access to my kingdom. Everyone gets access to my welcome I can't help but note that by the end of the Gospel of Luke that the only way the man in the chariot is referred to is as the eunuch. I mean, Luke was so not politically correct, I can't even get over it. Because which one of us would refer to somebody by one part of their their identity? Oh my goodness, it was before those days. But at the same time... I'm somewhat thankful for it because Luke lets us know that God intentionally sent Philip to this man in the wilderness and there was no mistake about that. Because where the church had said there was once a barrier, God has said no more. God will go to the greatest extent to reach out and to welcome you into the family to push down walls that might get in the way and to say you belong and you are loved and you are forgiven. And once we receive that and feel that acceptance, God says, okay, my children, now your job is to notice the people sitting on the buddy bunches, to notice the people who are sitting on the margins and to go out with my love and bring them in and push down whatever gets in the way because the Holy Spirit will take you where you least expect it and bring you to the people who most need to hear about my radical love. Amen.